Good morning, friends. How you doing? Hey! Did you just make a Chewbacca noise over there? Oh, that was a... I think Chewbacca was drowning. <laughs> so I want to get right into it this morning. Um, I do believe that aliens exist, and I do believe there is proof in the Bible. I just want to see who's paying attention. <laughs> what? what, what? No. Have you guys been enjoying the, uh, the Squad Goals series so far? Yeah, it's been really good. I've really been enjoying it. And so, so uh, Pastor and, and Amy are, are out in the wilderness somewhere. Are you clapping that they're gone or just in support of? Do we, do we, hey, you hear that, Kristen? <laughs> squad Goals. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about the, 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 them earlier i didn't want to say anything derogatory like poor unfortunate souls but it is hot right now i mean i can't imagine like trucking through the woods with mosquitoes and alligators and what all i don't know what i don't know what the woods are sasquatch and i'm sure he's not happy with the weather either so but we miss them uh pray for them if you if you think of it throughout the week it's always weird around here when we're missing our leader you know you know are you guys like that so with this whole squad goal thing we all, every, every single squad that comes along has a leader, right? Right? The A-team had Hannibal. Come, oh, come on. Come, come on. This, this is going to be a really dry message if that's the response that's going to happen all morning. I pity you, fool. No. <laughs> See, I kept it going. I kept it going. I just introduced my kids to the A-team this past week. It's a wonderful thing. Right, Jagger? It's fantastic. He loves it when a plan comes together. The Bulls, right? The dream team, they, they had, a, they had a, a squad leader. It was? Yes, it was. Yes. The Avengers had a squad leader. It was? The Iron Man. Was, yeah. Oh, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. Yes. Winter Soldier right here. We're going to get it done. You know, and I, and I was looking at, I was going to riff off of some of this stuff, but then I saw the Star Wars squad, and I'm like, they really didn't have a leader, did they? I think that was their problem. Those first couple movies, they were just a mess, and then just because nobody was, nobody was a leader. So at any rate, I remember as a kid, did anybody like play shows when you were a kid? Come on, where's all my like 70s and 80s kids? Come on now. I remember I, remember I played Miami Vice, <laughs> right? Heck yeah, right? We would play out in the woods, and we, we'd play war, and I would always have to be Rambo. Yes, had my, had my, somebody posted a Rambo knife over the week, like the little toy. Did, you get, did anybody else have the Rambo knife toy with the, with the yeah, with the, the, the bottom that came off and you had the, the matches and the saw and everything on the inside? So cool. Heck yeah. I always had to be Hannibal. I just, we'd always fight over who was the leader. Why? Because the leader set the pace, right? The leader set the expectation. The leader drew the group in and, and pushed the group forward. And the leader was the best. Yeah. So let's talk about your squad leader. Let me ask you this. Who is your squad leader? Jesus. Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> maybe, we need, maybe we need to pray right now. Who's your squad leader? Jesus. See, now this is something that I would call a Sunday school answer. Right? And do you know why this is a Sunday school answer? Because this is what they taught us to say in the Sunday school. 
right? Right? Who's your squad leader? Jesus. And it sounds so, ah, am I wrong? You guys, it's okay. You guys don't have to be, you break down the, the defenses this morning. I'm going to be real. You can be real. It's going to be a good morning, I swear. But can we just talk Christianese for a moment? Like, we're, like we, we, we're, we're, taught, we're taught all these things in Sunday school and as kids and with the, with the picture Bible, right? And, we're, and it's, it, it can be kind of odd because we're, we're looking at comic books at the same time we're looking at the picture Bible and we're taught this thing and we're taught that thing and we're told these are the responses you give every time, every time this question is asked. And who is your leader? Jesus. Who loves you? Jesus. Does that make it untrue? No. But within Christian culture... Things kind of get watered down, don't they? I want to take just a little bit of time to talk about that. Guys, God sent his son to earth to die to save the individual, not to, 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 to save a society. All right? His desire to have, is to have relationships with his children, not create another social subgroup. Christian culture is, is fine within itself. It's going to happen no matter what micro bubble you live in. There's going to be a culture within that bubble. But too often, we kind of stop there. Our growth ends with the Sunday school understanding of Jesus. Our growth ends with the, the, the Sunday school understanding of God and his love and his mercy and all that stuff. And every once in a while, as adults, we come to church. I'm going to pick on everybody watching on Facebook this morning. And everybody at the lake, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna pick on you all. Can we all agree that we're, it's okay to pick on everybody who's not here? No, Jeffrey. <laughs> we all have convictions, yes. And I'm a little worried that I wrote it too large. You ever start and you're like, oh no. Now I can't finish the rest of the word, and it trails off real small. <laughs> Convictions shape our beliefs. Our belief shapes our behavior. And our behavior should shape our culture. No. Did I spell that right? Culture. No. That's not even. <laughs> Shh. See? Culture. Perfect. <laughs> I do have to apologize. I did not sleep last night. None of my tricks worked. It was a bad one. And I always get weird when I haven't slept. Like, I, I mean, I could be there, like, really giddy. Does anybody get, like, you to get really giddy? Or like you cry easy? Like, I don't know what that. Yeah. This is how it. <laughs> now, now I can't look at it. Good Lord. Cult, cult, culture. Cult, oh, that's even worse. What have we done? Just stop the camera. Cult, cult, cult. Is it C-U-L? L-T-U-R-E. That's it. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Takes a village. <laughs> here's the problem. Oh, look at that. Thank you, man. Here, here's the problem with a lot of us. 
this is how it should go. Our convictions should, should, should drive our belief. Our belief should drive behavior, and behavior should shape our culture. But instead, because here's the thing, is no matter how, no matter how amazing and, 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 and stringent you are on your belief, no matter, you could be, you could be right next, right hand to God, and, and culture will always live just below your, 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 my brain just stopped. <laughs> your display. <laughs> that is not the word I want to say right now. Oh my gosh, your example. Oh my gosh. Right? Culture will always live just below your example. I remember when I was, when I was first starting, uh, I think I was like 15, and, uh, and I was, uh, it was my first time serving as a counselor at camp right? And the, the guy who was running the camp, he came in and he told us, he said, listen, whatever you do in moderation, these kids will do in excess. So be careful. Whatever standard you set, they'll set just below it. And here's the problem with us, especially with Christians, is, is we wind up doing this. We wind up allowing our culture to shape our belief. Tell me it's not true. And then our belief then drives our behavior, and then our behavior then supports the culture, but then we get into a loop because culture then lives just below our, our, our example, and we just do it all over again, and we wonder why things continue to get worse and worse and worse. Because conviction is, is, is failing us. It's, it's not around. We're, we're, not, we're not searching for it. We're not striving for it. We live to the mark of good enough, and then we go on with life. Guys, when guided by conviction, we're propelled toward a better life and a closer relationship with God. But when guided by culture, we're lulled into a spiritual sleep by generations of partial truth and rationalization. Christian culture has a way of relegating the things of God. And to relegate is to consign, dismiss to an inferior rank or position. That's what we're doing when we allow culture to drive us in our beliefs. Conviction says, I need to talk to my God. Culture says, God knows what I think. Conviction says, I need to live to a higher standard. Culture says, I'm saved and God loves me. Conviction says, I need to make worship and learning about God a priority. Culture says, I go to church when it's important, like on holidays and when things are bad. And I, I, I want to be serious. I'm not trying to guilt or shame anyone this morning, condemn anyone who's not here today. We have an awesome group of people that come here to Momentum, and I love every single one of you. But I would like to inspire you to ask yourself this morning, am I living a life of conviction, or have I fallen for the trap of culture? Guys, we need to fight through culture if we're ever going to get that clarity we need. Is everybody with me? Revelations 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. The sermon this morning is titled, Squad Leader. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, we need you this morning. God, guide us and know our anxious thoughts. Challenge us to be real with ourselves and to be intellectually honest this morning. Find us in a place, Lord, where we're ready to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we can declare God our squad leader, we have to do a little study of the man.
And it's, it's, always, it's always difficult when we're trying to understand God. I heard someone, I heard someone uh, compare it to an ant trying to understand a six-foot-five tall man standing in front of him, right? This ant, it knows ant world. It knows smells and take care of queen ant. That's all it knows. And it's, it's down there in its, in, its, in its tininess looking up at this huge mega man thing and, and, and like with all of our experiences and thoughts and complex plans and other things that are going on. How is an ant ever supposed to understand finances and, and degrees and this and that and all of the blah, 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 politics? And like the ant has no hope of ever understanding man, does it? And yet here we are doing our best to understand God. I heard it like this. There's a Chinese proverb of three blind men trying to understand an elephant. They'd never, they'd never been in the presence of an elephant. They'd never smelled an elephant or heard an elephant. And so someone brings an elephant to him and says, Here, here's what an elephant is. And the first blind man goes over and, and, and grabs its tail and says, This elephant, it's, it's, a, it's a small, frail, wispy thing. The next one goes and he grabs his leg and says, no, this, this elephant, it's, it's like a tree. It's, it's stout and it's sturdy and it's rough. The third blind man goes and he grabs his trunk and says, no, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a thick snake. It's, it's just, it just moves. Like it's it's, it's got to be like a snake with skin. It's weird. And they all walk away with their own understanding from their own real experience with the elephant. And this is what's so crazy. We wonder how so many of us have different ideas about God. There's only one Bible, right? Certainly, we're all reading the same words. Certainly, we all understand they mean the same thing. Certainly, English does not elude us. Yet, at the same time, we all have different experiences with this massive, huge, un unexplainable, undeniable God. And we wonder why we walk away saying, no, God is wispy. No, he's big like a tree. And then we get on Facebook and hate each other. No. Not a moment together, that's right. We go about discovering and knowing God, and we use our human verbiage and our human understanding in that discovery process. And we compare him to what we know, which is flawed. God, God is loving because. God is angry because. God is not just because of this. And sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're incredibly wrong. The subject is huge. Would you agree with me? Yes, the subject is immense. So I want to take some time this morning and just talk about God, if that's okay. And I want to make sure we don't, we don't tune out because I already know God's my squad goal leader. Let's, let's, get, let's get past the Sunday school side of it and let's look a little deeper and find out, do you even know who this God is? Is God actually the head of your house? But you don't understand, Pastor, I have a plaque on my wall that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's so. It's so. The essence of God or who God really is. Essence in the Latin means to be. But God not, does, doesn't just have a being. He, he is being. In Exodus 3.14, it says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. The words here, I am who I am. It comes from the Hebrew phrase indicating action. Everybody say action. 
And we actually get the, the, the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh, from this phrase. And so the word Yahweh reflects God's desire to be constantly present with action in his people's lives. God is in it with us from beginning to end, from good to bad, from before infancy to far after death. God is with us and he is active for us and to us. Is everybody with me? He's with me. He runs to me. He intercedes on my behalf, but he will not come uninvited. God is action, and God wants action on our behalf. Genesis 17, 7, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants far after you. This is God's desire to be present with humanity forever. So when God says, I am, he's stating a matter of fact, I just am. I just, I just am. And we, we don't get that because we compare God to ourselves. And, 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 and we, we, we aren't just am. God says, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. I'm not even the same a week from now. In all honesty, but, but seriously, we, we try to understand this God. And we, we say we get that he never changes, but I don't think we get that he never changes. Because we all grow, we all develop, we all mature. And even after into adult maturity, we, 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 loved ones die and bad things happen and great things happen and jobs come and jobs go and, and, and culture comes in and, and society happens and it completely shapes and molds and changes us to who we are today. Who we are today is not the same person we were 10 years ago. Somebody say amen, thank you Jesus. Did anybody know Tom 10 years ago? No, I'm just kidding. Improvement. It's all Stephanie and a little baby girl. Oh, you will never be the same. Tom's already changed. Big teddy bear. <sighs> Adorable. We try to compare to God, God, to what we understand, and it just doesn't jive. I am who I am. Verse 15, he says, and this is my name forever. John 8, 58, Jesus says, I am. And guys, to understand God, we need to know his character. So let's talk about God's character. God's nature is who he is. His nature is what makes God who God is, and God's character is the sum of his traits. Let me say that again. God's nature is who he is. His nature is what makes God who God is, and God's character is the sum of his traits. Does that make sense? I am known by my traits. If I walk around and I'm a happy guy, people say, man, Pastor Corey, he's a happy guy. I don't like that, Pastor Corey. If you catch me on a bad day, man, Corey's quiet. He's standoffish. I don't get that. Corey's hard to know. He's really hard to approach. It can be true sometimes, but I'm, I'm a very approachable person. But no, that's Corey's trait. If, if Corey walks around depressed all the time, well, Corey's got a real depression issue. I don't know what his problem is. He's just an Eeyore, humdrum Corey. And we understand traits defining who we are. We get that. How many of God's traits do we actually know? Or do we just wait for pastor to talk about them on Sunday morning? Come on. 
So to know the character of God is to study and know his traits. God is infinite in his nature and perfect in character. Infinite. He does not end. My wife just got back from Costa Rica. So glad you came back. I was worried. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would want to. Comes back and she's got, she's got some Costa Rican money. And she's giving it to the kids. And, and you, was, it a, was it like a, a, a money changer? The calculator you gave cash? I don't know what it was, but cash is trying to figure out, okay, this much money in Costa Rican money is this much money in American U.S. dollars and this and that and this and that. And he sits beside me and he just goes... I wish I had that much. I wish I had that much plus infinity. I wish I had infinity money plus this. It's like, all right, bud. Infinity dollars. And here's the funny thing. is something that, that cash doesn't get yet is infinity is not a number. Infinity is a measurement. Infinity is a measurement. Actually, it's the lack of a measurement. So when we're saying that God's nature and character has no measure, we're saying that he is so great that his greatness has no measure. He is so loving that his love has no measure. That he's so awesome, his awesomeness has no measure. His mercy has no measure. It cannot be measured. It's, it's, it's a measurement, but really it's a lack of measurement because there, no, there is no beginning to his measure. There is no end to his measure. It's just he just is. He just is. God is spiritual. His being transcends the physical universe. And guys, we're also made spiritual. And this is something that, that I, think, I think we skip over a lot of times as Christians. The whole spirituality side of things. Because we understand physically we are here this morning. We understand our physical bodies. And we, we wrestle a little bit. We know that God came as, as Jesus and was physical here on earth. But we wrestle kind of with the physicality of Jesus now here today. But we understand physicality. We understand the mental side of ourselves. We understand the emotional side of ourselves, don't we? But that spiritual side, to be transcending all of those yet encapsulated within my physical self, I could be completely just gone, a vegetable, but yet my mind still be sharp. I don't need my physical body to have my mental self. I don't need my physical body to have emotions. I don't need my mind to have emotions. But when we're talking about the spirit, they're so intertwined. Tell me you've never been in the presence of God and, and the hair stands up on the back of your neck. Tell me you of worship, and for some reason your emotions just let go. Tell me, tell me you've not been in that, in, in, that, in that message or in your own Bible study time, and you feel the Spirit of God come and just revelation just lights up your mind like you haven't had before. We have to engage the Spirit. Listen, if you're in the habit of coming 20 minutes late to church because it's just music time, you're missing the point. God shows up and his spirit rests heaven. He prepares us for what he wants us to receive later. There are things that God needs to do soul to soul. And you're right. If it is just music, you skip it. We're not that good. But if you want to come and touch the hem of your father, if you want to come and experience the presence of his spirit right here in this place, don't miss it and don't be late. Come early, get your seat, and come expecting something awesome because God is here and he is.
Guys, when we neglect our spiritual selves, it's only the positive aspects of our spirit that suffer as the negatives grow unchecked. Somebody will have dominion over your spirit. And if you don't give the initiative to God to take that action, the enemy will run you dry. God is infinite. He is spiritual. He is eternal. He transcends time. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth this whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. For those of you who struggle with the unknown, that should be a, a, a good thing for you to know that our God understands and he knows. He's omnipresent, meaning that he is always there. No matter where there is, that's where he is. And Acts 17, 27 says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. And here's why all of this is so important is because I need an advocate who is not bound by what holds me down. Let me say that again. I need an advocate who is not bound by what holds me down. I am not all powerful. I am weak. I am not all present. Even though I stand in front of you, sometimes I'm a million miles away. I am not all-knowing. I'm grappling in the dark so often. I neglect my spiritual side. All these other things, these things, it's good for us to go and to have that spiritual mentors. It's good for us to go and have accountability partners. It's good for us to come here on, on a Monday night and, and come to celebrate recovery and get help for those things that we need help for. But if that's where it's end, we are getting flawed things from flawed people. Because I'm just as messed up as you are. I can give you what little insight I have, and I will tell you that God is wispy. Because that's what I've experienced. But you're missing the whole picture. God wants to give you your revelation for your life that he has been walking with you from beginning. He's walking with you now, and he will be with you on the other side of it. I need a God who is not bound. I need an advocate who is more than what I am. I need one who just is. Why? Because it's what I need. Guys, if you've lost the ability to turn to God on your own, instead of relying on the interpretation of someone else's experience, then you've cut yourself off from the one who has it all worked out. He has loved you since before you knew what love was. He's walked with you from the beginning. He saw your issues coming, and he knows the solution, and he already has plans for you to prosper on the backside. He's not bound by our fear. He's not bound by our frailty. And he's not bound by our finite understanding. In other words, he's God, and he's on your side. But wait, there's more. God is good. Psalms 145.9, the Lord is good to all, and he has compassion on all he has made. God is holy, which means he is completely separate from evil. God is faithful and true, meaning he is actively opposed to that which is evil and false. He is sovereign, meaning that he has legitimate rule over the universe. In Psalms 9, it says the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for justice. God is love. God is just. God is life. In John 14, 6, and Jesus answered, for I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We do not serve a small being, but the one who created life and set it into motion. 
Who's the head of your squad? Jesus. Who's the head of your squad? I am. Let me grab somebody real fast. Tom, let me, come on up here, bud. I'm going to end with this. You stand on the other side of that for me and hold that up. I mean, unless it's too hit. Marvin. Thank you. No, not like that. Like that, yes. <laughs> he is God in heaven. Here am I on earth. So I will let my words be few. Every single one of us has something that stands between us and God. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how new you are to it. Every single one of us has something. And it may just be culture. That we've grown up in church and we're more, more interested in what social media is doing on the phone rather than what pastor's saying at the moment. And the truth of who God is just flies over our head because we're just, I mean, we're at church, right? And life has a way of just coming over us and overwhelming us and doing what life does. And we have a God who has known it all, knows it all, and will know it all. And he says to us, knock. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get past this. He says, seek. But it's too big. It's, it's, I've never, no one's ever explained it to me. He says, ask. Now answer. And the door is opened. And you're weird on the other side. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. If you're here this morning and you've never, you've never taken that step to say, I'm actually going to do it. I'm actually going to do it. Remember the essence, the essence of God essence is, is to be, right? And in the scripture, we're told that in him, we have our being. I need the essence of who I am to be wrapped up in the essence of who he is. And I can't do that if I'm my own squad leader. So not just because a pastor is asking his congregation, not because it's the Christian thing to do or the Christian thing to say. But would you consider taking a look at your life and finding out where it is you've relegated God? Because every single one of us are guilty. Every single one of us do it because that's the culture. Don't be fooled by culture. Don't be fooled by culture. Pierce through it. Find your clarity and allow your conviction to drive your belief, which drives your behavior, which drives the culture in your home.
you will see a difference, I promise. Bow your heads, Heavenly Father. God, I just thank you for your truth. God, I thank you that you are accessible, that you are real. God, that whenever I need you, you are there. God, you are not deaf or blind to my suffering. God, you laugh when I laugh and cry when I cry. Lord, thank you for all that you are. In your holy, awesome name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.